0: California, please give him a warm welcome. Oh, I'm Jerry Lowell, and grateful alcoholic. Jerry, Jerry, and alcoholic only. Alcoholic and anything, anything past alcoholic is an outside issue, and our traditions tell us that we have no opinion on outside issues. So when I, uh, when I shared a meeting, when I shared from the podium, I identify as an alcoholic only, because I believe in the singleness of purpose. Uh, I want to thank uh, Mike and the committee for uh, allowing me the privilege and the honor to uh, be able to participate in a, in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, and be able to participate in my own recovery. Uh, it's truly an honor and a privilege. I can make you one guarantee that the, the person standing up here today is not the same person that walked through the doors of Alcoholics Anonymous a little over 16 years ago. And uh, for that, I'm, I'm truly grateful. I know uh, my family's truly grateful. The people that are surrounded by me are truly grateful. Uh, state of California, California Department of Corrections are probably grateful. Uh, county jails are probably grateful. <laughs> And the streets of Fresno are just a little bit safer today, because I am a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, You know, driving up here, uh, my my Grandpa Llewellyn, uh, my dad's dad, he's buried at the cemetery there at at, uh, French Camp. And uh, it's been almost, it'll be 50 years in November when he passed away. And whenever I'm up in this area, if the opportunity arises, I always go by his grave and, uh, and talk to him. And, you know, he, he died from the disease of alcoholism. But he wasn't an alcoholic. Because that's what he kept telling everybody. He says, I'm not an alcoholic. I just like to drink. And I told my dad one time, I said, you know, dad, I said, they should have put on grandpa's grave, here, here lies a non alcoholic who died from too much drinking. And, uh, my dad thought it was kind of funny, too. You know, uh, but you know that's the disease of alcoholism. You know it, It's cunning, it's baffling, it's powerful. It's, it's a disease that will tell me that I don't have it. Uh, it's a disease that will tell me that, you know what, it's going to be different this time. It's a disease that tells me it's going to be different next time. You know, all I've got to do is do, do it, drink it a little bit differently, a little bit less of this, a little bit more of that, you know, all, that all that stuff. And uh, none of it ever worked. None of it ever worked. You know, I, uh, what, it, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today, you know, I would love to talk about what it's like today. I, I really, really do. But in order to talk about what it's like today, I have to talk about what it used to be like and what happened. And, uh, some of it's not very pretty. Some of it's not very pretty. I, uh, I was born, I was born in Nebraska. i uh, I choose to, I choose to call it, uh, corn-fed and country-bred. Uh, and we moved to, uh, we moved to Stockton when I was probably about, I don't know, five or six years old. Uh, and we lived in Stockton for about seven years, and, uh, then we went back to Nebraska and and anyway we ended up in uh in, in Clovis, California. It's a little town outside of Fresno. And I was probably about twelve years old. And uh I was already suffering from uh not feeling a part of and not feeling like you know that you know I was being accepted, you know, for for who I am and 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 what I represented. And uh And I found out that if I started running with these other guys that was drinking, that the alcohol would allow me to do things and to say things to allow me to feel a part of and to feel accepted. Now, I don't know, I don't honestly know if I was really being accepted or if I was really a part of, but I know the alcohol told me I was. I know that for a fact. And uh, I continued to drink, and I started getting into trouble. Uh, I, first time I was uh, ever locked up in, uh, in Juvenile Hall, I was about 12 years old. I got arrested on a burglary charge. I burglarized the school that I went to school to. And uh, what, what better place, you know, to burglarize than a place you know real well? You know? Uh, and uh, I ended up in Juvenile Hall, and, and you know, and I, I, continued, I continued that pattern. You know, all throughout my, my, uh, my teenage years. And, and I remember, you know, the counselors at Juvenile Hall telling me, you know what, Jerry, if, if, you, don't, if you don't stop drinking and you don't stop doing the things that you're doing, you're going to end up in California Youth Authority. And my attitude was, you know what, so what? You know, because I had that attitude at that time. You know what, I'm young. I got a lot of life ahead of, ahead of me. And you know what, I can get this out of my system and then, and then get on with my life. Well, I ended up in California Youth Authority uh, in 19, and this is when they still had uh, CYAs at, uh, at DVI. This is back in 66 uh, and 67. And uh, I ended up in California Youth Authority there, and, uh, and I remember the counselors there telling me the same thing. You know, that if I didn't stop doing what I was doing, I was going to end up in California State Prison, you know, as, as, with an adult number. And uh, my same response, you know, so what? I did. Uh, I did my time, you know, at, at CYA, and, and I got out in, in 1968. And between 1968 and 1970, which is two years, I spent uh, 16 months of those two years in and out of the Fresno County Jail on, on alcohol-related charges, you know, uh, drunk in public, disturbing the peace, barroom fights, uh, you know. I'm one of of those drunks that uh, I love those honky-tonks. I love the honky-tonk bars. I loved it, you know, when the bar stool started flying and the cue stick started flying and the body started flying into the jukebox and God, it just just did something to me. You know, and, and I just loved it. And it didn't matter if I was the one flying. It really didn't. You know, I just loved the action part of it. And, uh, then I, I ended up, uh, you know, and that's the way I drank. You know, I drank alcoholically like that. You know, they, they talk about it in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that, you uh, know, and this is me. This is me to a tea. You know, I drank essentially for the effect produced by alcohol. I didn't drink it for the taste. I mean, I'd be sitting, me and my partners would be sitting in a bar, and we'd have four or five different kinds of wine, three or four different kinds of beer, couple different kinds of whiskey and mix it all in one glass and just chug-a-lug it and it tasted shitty but it got me there now I never knew where in the hell there it was but I wanted to get there you know and, uh, and I wanted to get there quick and that allowed me to do it so I was, I was drinking for that effect that it produced you know the effect that, the, and, and the, the effect that it produced was the effect of, of not having to feel not having to face you know what 's going on in my life you know uh, and, and all that stuff that i really didn 't want to deal with didn 't know how to deal with did not know how to deal with life i didn 't know how to deal with uh, somebody you know passing away i didn 't know how to deal with somebody getting married you know i didn 't know how to deal with any of that stuff you know and uh, all my life you know my my parents and my grandparents and, and people you know Tried to teach me how to, you know, how to love another human being and how to have compassion, and I just couldn't get it, couldn't get it. And I come into Alcoholics Anonymous and a bunch of drunks, a bunch of drunks taught me how to love another human being and how to have compassion. You bet they did, you bet they did. And uh, you know, and and, uh, and I and I drank like that, you know, I. I drank in those bars and, you know, in the bar fights and, and you know, <clears throat> running havoc through people's lives. And, you know, and I, was a, I was a taker. I was a taker of things and, and, and a user of people. You know, I would take, I took what I wanted and I would use you until you no longer had what I wanted anymore. Then I would throw you away on the side of the road like a bag of garbage and move on down the road to my next, the next person. That's what I did. Why did I do that? because I'm selfish, I'm self-centered, and I'm self-seeking. And it's all about me. It doesn't matter who I'm hurting. It doesn't matter if they love me or if they don't love me, as long as I get to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And more often than not, the state of California intervened on that and stopped me from doing it for a lot of years of my life. in 19, uh, in 1970 I, uh, I was arrested on a, on a forgery charge and, and I was sentenced to a, a 90-day diagnostic study at Vacaville. And that's where they, they it's, like a diag- it's like a study and, and they, they, they determine if you're fit for probation or, or if you should go to prison. And uh, usually on, on a 90-day diagnostic study at that time you're there from anywhere from uh, 45 to 60 days before they can fully evaluate you. I was there 27 days, and they shipped me back to Fresno to court. And, and, and their recommendation was that this man has been knocking on prison doors for a long time, he is not suitable for probation. So they sent me to six months to 14 years state prison. So I go back to, to the guidance center, and I go up, I, I ended up in uh, Susanville, and uh, there was a partner of mine there that I ran with when I was in Vacaville, and uh, one night, uh, we was drinking a bunch of pruno, which is prison-made wine, and uh, did, was doing some other stuff, and we decided we didn't like that place. <laughs> So we left. <laughs> we we went up over the chapel wall, and we was gone for we was gone for four days, three or four, four days. And within those four days, after four days, we was both sitting in Humboldt County Jail with uh, three counts of armed robbery, three counts of kidnapping, grand theft auto, escape, three counts of assault with intent to commit great bodily injury. And we fought that case for a year in Humboldt County Jail, and uh, and the way the way that they caught us, you know, when we got when we got the car from. See, this is how my luck ran when I was out there. Two out of the three people that was that was robbed, one was an ex highway patrolman, and the other one was a legal secretary for a judge. I think that's pretty good luck. And, uh, but I fought that, you know, we fought that case for a year, and, and the best deal that I could come up with is if I hadn't have pled to the one charge, and, and, and they ended up giving me a five years to life, which means a minimum of five years and, and no longer than the rest of my life. Uh, and, and I go back to prison. And I did i did I did all my time on that one uh, at Soledad, and after about five and a half years, I paroled and uh, I, I I need to share with you, I drank just just as alcoholically in there as I did on the streets i you know I, I, could, I could make a stash of pruno that would knock your socks off, and I knew how to do it i knew how to I knew how to get the hose and run it from the bag from the milk bag where I was making the pruno run the hose into the toilet so that the the fumes would go down the toilet, and they wouldn 't go out on the tier so that the guards could smell it and uh out of five gallons i, I would uh, I would sell a couple, couple gallons of it you know for cigarettes and, and and drink and me and my partners would drink the other three gallons and a couple of times we ended up in the hole you know it was the first time i ever been 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 arrested on a public drunk charge in state prison yeah. <laughs> and uh but you know, I, you know that's the way my that's the way my life went for you know all those years and you know and I got out and uh, I uh, ended up doing a violation. Uh, you know, I I turned in about five dirty tests. You know, and I couldn't understand why my pro officer wanted to violate my parole. And so I ended up doing a violation at Folsom. And uh, and I got out from doing that violation. It was on December seventeenth. 1976, and exactly two weeks later to the day, me and my girlfriend and, and two of my runner partners was out celebrating New Year's Eve. And if you're new here today or fairly new to Alcoholics Anonymous, I want you to understand that I didn't get up that morning and say, you know what, this is what's going to happen, but this is what happened. And we was out celebrating New Year's Eve, and, and we started screwing around in the car, and I ended up, I hit, I hit a garbage truck head on. And killed everybody in the car. I was the only one that lived. Both my partners, their garbage truck ended up in my back seat. Both my partners was burnt beyond recognition. The only way they were able to be identified was through their dental charts. Diane lived for 11 days and the doctor said even if she lived, she'd be a vegetable the rest of her life. And, uh, you know, like I said, you know, I didn't get up that morning and say, you know what, I'm going to go out and celebrate New Year's Eve and and kill three people. That ain't what I said. But that's what happened. That's the disease of alcoholism. That's the selfishness, the self-centeredness, and the self-seeking. I didn't, I I hadn't, it it didn't matter. It, It didn't matter what happened as long as Jerry got to do what Jerry wanted to do. I forgot to turn my phone off. I'm glad it wasn't mine ringing. <laughs> and uh, I, ended up, you know, I ended up going back to prison. I went through the Providers unit at and, and, and Quentin. And they told me that I definitely had an alcohol problem. And they suggested I get into some kind of a 12-step program. And I remember to this day what I told them. I said, you know what? You're crazy. I had to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. And it wasn't my fault. Never was my fault. See, I was the way I was because of society. I was the way that I was because people didn't treat me the way that I should be treated. Even though I wasn't treating them the way they should be treated, they should still treat me the way I should be treated. That's what I thought. And uh, so, you know, I, I never did get into, the 12, into a 12-step program there. And I got out and... and and one thing led to another, and the party started again, and I ended up back in prison, and I ended up in, at, down at Chino at the, at the guidance center, and they said, which prison would you want, do you want to go to? And I said, how about Tehachapi, you know, because it's a minimum and medium security. And they said, well, you got two choices, San Quentin or Folsom. I said, well, send me back to San Quentin. I just left there. So that's where I went. I walked back on the yard. It was like I'd never left. All the same homeboys were there, everything. Did my time got out did did it one more time went back to prison and the last time I got out of prison was in nineteen eight uh march fourth of nineteen eighty four and I haven't been back since and uh I haven't been sober that long, but i haven't had gone to I haven't had to go to prison and uh so one thing led to another and you know I got out, and, and I hooked up with this uh, this girl, you know, I, I said, you know what, what I need, you know, is somebody in my life, you know, that doesn't, doesn't drink, doesn't use, doesn't do this, blah, 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 blah. So I hooked up with this uh, this woman, and she just got in a car wreck, and her, her fiancé was killed, and I thought she was going to get a bunch of money. And uh, so I hooked up with her, and we ended up getting married, and she ended up getting no money. Burnt me one more time. Damn. And uh, you know, that, that marriage lasted about, about 11 years. And, uh, and when that marriage was over, I was grateful that it was over. When that marriage ended, I was, I was uh, real close to fi- being five years sober. And, uh, and I went through a lot of stuff. I, did, I had to do a lot of inventories. And, uh, you know, to back up a little bit, you know, the first time I came around Alcoholics Anonymous, I was around Alcoholics Anonymous for nine months. And uh, I didn't get a sponsor, didn't work the steps, didn't do anything they suggested. I just, you know, I I went to maybe one or two, at least one meeting a week. Sometimes I'd go to two, you know. And uh, after nine months of doing it my way, I drank again. I drank again, and by the grace of God, I made it made it back into Alcoholics Anonymous, and I was around Alcoholics Anonymous for seven more months. And if you're new, I hope you understood you know, when I said I was just around Alcoholics Anonymous that I was not in Alcoholics Anonymous. Around to me, around Alcoholics Anonymous means I'm on the outside perimeter, where I can get picked off at any time, and. I stayed for seven months, and I went back out, and on April 11th of 1990, I came back into Alcoholics Anonymous and totally, completely surrendered to the disease of alcoholism and to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And by the grace of God and the program of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and you know, my willingness to do something different, my willingness to follow directions, my willingness to take suggestions— I'm not standing up here and telling you that I agreed with everything that I did. I didn't, when my sponsor says, you know what, make your bed every day, what the hell has that got to do with recovery? I could not understand, I understand it today. I didn't understand it then. And to me, it's about willingness to do something different. Something positive. Changing from something negative to a positive behavior and a, and a positive action in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I started working, you know, I started going, uh, going through the steps with my sponsor and, and uh, you know, do, doing the inventories and, and you know, started getting into service work in Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, after about four, about look, almost five years of being sober, my uh, my ex wife told me that you know that, uh, she didn't want to be married anymore, and uh, I was sitting there. I was sitting there. I was waiting for a friend of mine to come by because we're going we're going to do an H and I panel. And while I was waiting for him to come, you know, she, you know that's when she told me. And uh, she uh, she said she didn't want to be married anymore. And I said, okay. You know, and so when 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 my friend you know come to pick me up, you know. And I went out and got in the car, and I, and I was running it all by him. And he says, you sure you want to go, Jerry? And I said, yeah. That's where I need to be. You know, I need to be participating in my recovery. I need to be carrying the message. I need to be passing on what was passed on to me. You know, I don't need to sit back there at the house and dwell in all that, all that doo-doo. You know, and set myself up to drink. Because that's what I would have done. You know. I would have got into the poor me's and the self-pity and all that stuff. Instead, I chose to do what I was taught to do in Alcoholics Anonymous, and that's get out there and carry the message and work with others. One drunk talking to another drunk. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. And uh, so then I moved in at my sponsor's house the next day. And uh, stayed stayed there for a while. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know, continue. You know, continue to go to the prisons. You know, and and, and you know, I'm I'm still involved in H and I. I've been involved in H and I. You know, since almost from day one. For some strange reason, I feel real comfortable doing institutional work. Uh, <laughs> real comfortable. You know, I'm uh, I'm not, not going to stand up here and say that there wasn't a, there wasn't some fear in the beginning, because I remember the first time I walked through the gates at Avondale Prison. My first thought was, you know what, they're going to find something. I know they are, and they ain't, they ain't going to let me go. And we talk about you know spiritual experiences. When I walked the first time I walked through the, those gates on an H and panel at Avondale Prison, and I walked out that same night two hours later and walked past that gun tower and was able to wave to the man in the gun tower and tell, tell him to have a good evening. And, and to walk out two hours later instead of three, four, five, six years later like it used to be, for me, that was a spiritual experience. It really was. I loved it. You know, I loved it. And, uh, you know, I, I still do H&I work today. You know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a major part of my recovery. You know, there, there's all types of service work at Alcoholics Anonymous to be done. And every, every alcoholic has their own little niche, you know. And uh, it, it all needs to be done, all the way from central office, you know, to H&I, to general service, all of it, it. It all needs to be done for this thing to keep going and keep continuing to happen and to keep continuing to have, you know, deals like this where the message can be carried and people can get together and, and, and meet people that they haven't met yet, you know. That's all we are. We're just friends that haven't met each other yet, you know. And uh, so I, uh, I went through that. I went through that divorce, and, and uh, you know, there, there's a part in the, in the big book where it says that uh, boy meets girl on AA campus. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened with me and Nancy. You know, we went to the same same home group with you know same fellowship, and uh, for some reason we always sat next to each other at meetings. And 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 at first, and 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 this is the honest to God's truth. I mean, speaking from from my point of view, it, you know, it was just a friendship. It was just a friendship. You know. And uh, then, thing you know, different functions was happening. You know, and, and we ended up you know you know being a service that you know different functions together and, and and this and that and and uh you know and and one thing led to another you know and uh i like i like to tell this story i don't, I don't know if, if she likes it or not but you know and and here again this is just my perception now if you ask her she's going to have a complete different perception but this is what my head told me you know because when we first started you know uh seen each other at meetings and you know we sat next to each other and we'd hold hands you know when we say the lord's prayer Well, at that time i was doing construction work and my hands were real rough well she brought some hand lotion to the meeting one night and uh and she put some hand lotion on my hands now i don't know what that would tell you but i know what it told me (laughs) she wants me (laughs) you know that's what my head told me She has a whole different perception. And if you go to the Unity Day in Tracy in October, when she speaks, you'll probably hear her perception of it. And, uh, but, you know, we we started off, you know, friends and, you know, and doing this stuff. And and we started, you know, we started, uh, you know, dating. And, and I remember, you know, see, without alcohol, you know, I, I can be a very bashful and, and kind of, you know, bashful person, you know, and uh, I remember one time we went bowling, and uh, we went bowling, and we went to this restaurant, you know, to get some uh, pie and ice cream after, after bowling, and we're, we're, we got out of, we got out of my truck, and we're going into the restaurant, and, and I wanted to grab her hand and hold her hand, but I was afraid to, because I was, you know, I said, you know what, Jerry, if if you do that, she's going to slap that shit out of you, you know, and, (laughs) you know, all this, all this stuff, you know, that, and, and it and it comes from from my past, you know that fear of rejection, you know that fear that people you know aren't going to you know I'm going to be rejected, you know. And uh, so anyway, you know we, we started you know dating and 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 seeing each other and uh, we uh it is, you know make a long story short, you know we ended up we was gonna we set this date, you know it was in. Uh, it was in January, you know, uh, you know, to, to move in, you know, to move in together, and uh, we both talked to our. I talked to my sponsor about it. She talked to her sponsor about it, and uh, you know, every every move we made, we run by our sponsor. And uh, when uh, and the date was set for January to move in. Well, there was one thing that we didn't run by our sponsor. We moved it from January to November. We backed it up is what we did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's been, a, you know, it's been a great life. I mean, you know what, we've had our ups and downs, you know, and, and, and I can honestly say, you know, because, you know I, I, you know, I was a very violent drunk, you know, and she was a rager. And, 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 and we, we, we've been together, you know, going on 10 years. And not once, not once. Have we ever raised our voice to each other? We've never yelled at each other. We've never screamed at each other. You know? where does that come from? You know? it comes. It comes from the teachings of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it, and it, and it comes from. You know, it's like you know we talked about what we wanted in our relationship, and I told her you know one of the things you know that for for me you know what I fought all my life. You know, I fought with other people. I have fought in bars, I fought I fought in the penitentiaries. I'm fought out. I can't fight no more. I'm just not willing to do it anymore. And uh so as a result, you know, when when things happen, you know, we can we can separate ourselves, you know, in, in different rooms and and think about things and, you know, and and, and talk to people, you know, who, if we need to call somebody and talk and you know and and then you know, when we're both calmed down, then we can both come together and we can talk about it and discuss it and come to, a, come to a solution. Instead of living in the problem, we talk about a solution, just like we do in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, being in Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I can live in the problem of, of being an alcoholic. whoop de doo I know I'm alcoholic. You know, what's my solution? You know. My solution is to be active in Alcoholics Anonymous. My solution is to participate when asked to participate. And uh, you know, just, just the other night, you know, we had a we had a little difference, you know, uh, uh, and uh, we didn't yell at each other, you know, and, and uh, you know she you know she, you know she did what she 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 needed to do, and I did what I thought I needed to do. Yeah you know, and uh and as a result, you know, we didn't yell at each other and we didn't scream at each other. So I didn't have to say, you know what, you know, I need to make an amends for yelling or for screaming. See I didn't have to do that. Yeah. You know? We've allowed each other to, to tell each other, you know what, I love you but right now I don't like you. Because I always love her. I'll love her forever. I won't always like her. And it's not her that I don't like. It's sometimes it's what she does or what she says or her actions or her attitude or whatever. You know? and, you know, and I have to allow her that. You know. If I don't allow her that, I'm the same thing as saying, you know what? I'm better than. And I'm not better than. You know, uh, you know I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I, you know, I, I love it with a passion. I really do. And, you know, I, I was driving up here this morning and, and you know what? I really miss Sandy, I really do you know that woman you know she she was one of my teachers, she was one of my teachers and and i 'll tell you i 'm going to be honest with you, the reason I loved her so much is because she was honoring. and I love that. God, I love that you know she was she was not afraid to tell you what she thought. If you ask her her opinion, watch out she 's going to give it to you and uh, but I was thinking about her on the way up here, cause you know what? She's usually always here. And uh, but you know, there's a, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of my teachers that are at the big meeting in the sky, you know, right now. And 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 some of you some of you know them. You know, like you know Bill Litton, you know, for, uh, one of the ones that initially got me started in H and I. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of them, you know that, that, that aren't around anymore. You know that there were teachers of mine that that taught me. You know, I remember. You know, one time uh, I was in a meeting and I, I was kind of new to Alcoholics Anonymous and I was sharing at a meeting and and, and <laughs> Bill, you know, I always called him Mr. Bill. You know, and uh, and and Mr. Bill was there and I, anyway they called on me and I was sharing and and every other every other word out of my mouth was the F word. You know, F this, F that, F, F F, F F, 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 So after the meeting, Mr. Bill pulled me to the side. He says, uh, Jerry, he says, Did you notice when you were sharing it people were getting up and leaving? I said, Yeah. What the hell's up with that? <laughs> he said, Did you notice that most of them were women? And I said, Yeah. I said, That's really strange, huh? He says, No, it's not strange. He says, "When we get sober and Alcoholics Anonymous, we not only clean up physically, but we clean up our our, our mouths too." He says, "Would you talk that way in, in front in front of your mother?" I said, "No." And he says, "He says, why you know why 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 did you sit talking to the person, to the guy next to you?" And I said, "Well, because he was talking to me." He says, "Did you ever stop to think that?" That the other people in that room might want to hear what, what's being shared, that they might need to hear what they need to hear to save their life. And I said, "Well, no, not really." And he says, "I didn't think so." He says, "Selfish, self-centered people like you never think about anybody but yourself." See, he didn't realize how sensitive I was. He didn't realize that it hurt my feelings. And I remember he shared it with me one time. He says, "You know what, Jerry?" He says, "I don't care about your feelings." I really don't. He says, I care about helping you save your butt in Alcoholics Anonymous and being the best human being that you can be. And if I got to step on your feelings to do it, then that's what I'm going to do. And that right there told me that he loved me enough to tell me the truth. He did not hate me enough to tell me what I wanted to hear or what I thought I should hear and there's a big difference. See and, and and he was one of my teachers and that's what I do with the guys that I sponsor today. You know, I I tell him, you know what? I'm not I'm not here to help you save your feelings. I'm here to help you save your butt. I'm here to pass on to you what was passed on to me. I was I was sitting out on my patio one day with a guy that I sponsor and I said, "You know what? Because he was going through some stuff, and I said, "You know what? This is what you need to do." He said, "Well, If I do this, then will you? I said, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. I said, this ain't no plea bargaining table. This ain't, you know what, uh, I'll do this if you do that. That That ain't what it's about. You're either willing to do it or you're not. If you're not willing to do it, then you can find another sponsor. All I'm doing is pass it on to you what was passed on to me. And if you don't want it, then why waste your time? Why waste your time? It tells us in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous that we don't chase after them and try to make them do this and make them do that. We offer the suggestions of what works for us. And if they want to do it, fine. And if they don't want to do it, that's fine too because the pain is theirs. The pain is theirs if they don't want to do something different. you know, That's none of my business. It's just my business to pass on what was passed on to me. And... Uh, You know, my my life today. Uh, I've gotten I've gotten relationships back in, in, in my life today, and one of them's with my dad. He's uh, he's eighty three years old. Now keep in mind, you know, this is a man that when I was younger, I stole from him. I would sneak into the bedroom. When he was asleep at night and I'd take money out of his wallet and he knew that there was money was missing and he had a pretty good idea that I had something to do with it and I continued to do that I, you know, I, I, I stole some checks from him one time after my mom passed away and, and I went and cashed a bunch of checks and, and uh, I didn't for a second think how much that was hurting him why would I think about how that was hurting him when I'm focusing on what I want to do, and that's to get more money to drink? That's all I was focused on. I didn't, have, I didn't think for a second that me spending 16 years of my life in the penitentiary affected him or hurt, or hurt him. It's not him doing the time, it's me. Why would I think that it would affect him? I wouldn't think that, not based on what I knew at that time. And today we have a relationship better than we've ever had. I don't get by there to see him as often as I would like to, but I go by there from time to time and visit him, and I call him, and we call each other. And His birthday, his, his uh, belly button birthday is uh, December 4th, and mine's December 7th, and we always have our... We always have dinner together to celebrate our birthdays. Uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I became trustworthy in Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, I didn't get sober in Alcoholics Anonymous because I wanted people to trust me. That's just one of the gifts that, that, that I was able to receive in, in Alcoholics Anonymous by doing what I do. Based on the way my feet are moving. Based on the actions that I take in Alcoholics Anonymous. Based on, if I say I'm going to be somewhere, I'll be there. Based on, if I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it. If I say I'm going to call somebody, I'll call them. Before I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, it was about, well, am I going to get anything out of this? If not, you know what the hell with them? I ain't calling them. That's the way I was. But that's not the way I am today. You know, and, and as a result of that, you know, my, my dad has, has made me beneficiary of, of, of everything, you know, everything that, in his name. You know, so beneficiary. Because he's always loved me. I know that today. But he didn't always trust me. Why would he trust me? Hell, I stole from him. But based on what I do in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, I've regained that trust in my dad. You know. And he and he truly loves me today and he truly respects me. You know? And you know, what a deal. You know, what a deal. I didn't get sober for, for all that. You know. I didn't get sober, you know, to to you know, when I when I first got to Alcoholics Anonymous this last time, you know, I didn't know if I wanted what you people had. I really didn't. I just knew I didn't want what I had anymore. I knew that. And I said, you know what? Give it a shot, Jerry. You know What do you got to lose? What do you got to lose? You know, my, uh, my oldest brother, who originally introduced me to Alcoholics Anonymous in 1980 up in Bend, Oregon, we were running on a robbery charge together. See, he wasn't just my brother. We drank together, we partied together, we went to jail together, and we went to prison together. We ran on robbery charges together. And he originally introduced me to AA, and he says, you know what, Jerry, we was going through Bend, Oregon. He says, you know what, he says, he says, I know there's a place here in town where we can, uh, you know, they'll put us up for the night. You know, we can just leave the next day. I had no clue what he was talking about. And uh, he said, but we have to go to an AA meeting before they'll do it. And I said, well, whatever. So we did it, you know, and we spent, the, you know, they, they put us up for the night at this place. And, and uh, you know, and then we went on about our way. And uh, anyway, I ended up getting sober, you know, uh, years later. And, and he got sober a few times, and, and, but he just couldn't get it, just couldn't get it. And he ended up dying uh, on St. Patrick's Day of uh, 2003, three years ago. And if you've never seen anybody die from cirrhosis of the liver, it's very, very ugly. Very, very ugly death. And he was in the hospital in, uh, in Fresno, and me and... Uh, the, me and nancy was down there you know we'd been down there a lot and, and we decided to, you know to go home this, this sunday evening on saint patrick's day and take a shower and get a bite to eat and you know and rest a little bit and then go back down there but we get home and as soon as we walk in the door the phone rings and it's my niece and she says uncle jerry she says you better get back down here uncle richard's not going to make it and we went back down there and walked into his room and uh they had some they had him hooked up to some kind of a uh, pain medication and I told the nurse you know and I, I just went I, I went off you know and, and I told the nurse I said you know I said what's this what, what's he hooked up to she said well it's, it's a pain medication I said pain medication I said what the hell is this about I said what is it about the money I said the man's going to be gone within a couple of hours he ain't, he's in a coma he's not in any pain I said so that just tells me that it's all about the money I said unhook it take it out you know, and I ended up having to make an amends to that nurse. You know, not for what I said or, or, for, or for what I had her do, but for the way that I said it and the way that I approached it in a negative manner. You know, yeah, I was upset because I'm getting ready to lose my brother, but that's no excuse for me to act like that. You know, alcoholics anonymous didn't teach me that. And so I, I sit down on the side of the bed and, and I'm holding my brother's hand and, uh, and I'm rubbing his forehead, and uh, he's got that real raspy breathing, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and I leaned down, and, and, and I said, you know, I said, I love you, brother. And it's okay to go. I said, Mama's waiting for you. Mama's waiting for you. And I laid my head down on his chest, and I was crying. I'm getting ready to lose my big brother. A guy that I looked up to since I was a little boy. That I wanted to be just like him. He was always in and out of institutions. Problem is, I surpassed him. You know, I kind of went over the line a little bit. Uh, But, uh, and and I laid my head down on his chest and I'm crying. and, and And I said, I love you, brother. And I raised my head up and I looked him in the eyes. And he took his last breath. My brother died from this disease, and uh, had it not been for Alcoholics Anonymous, I wouldn't have been there. I needed to find out what he wanted done when he passed, because I knew it was getting close, and I just couldn't bring myself to do it, and thank God that Nancy was there with me. And she kept telling me, she says, Jerry she says, you've got to talk to him before he goes into the coma. You've got to talk to him and find out what he wants. And I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to look at the fact that I'm getting ready to lose my brother. And she kept on me and kept on me. And thank God she did. Thank God she did. You know? And I was able to, you know, to ask him what he wanted. And, and he told me that he wanted to be cremated and buried on top of my mom, our mom. Out at Clovis Cemetery, and so that 's what happened you know uh, He was cremated and and uh, we had uh, the they whatever they do, they open it up and they, they shoot the 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 urn in, into the same same uh, plot that my mom 's at and now they 're together you know, uh, so you know alcoholics' Anonymous has allowed me to be a part of a lot of happy and joyous things. And it's also allowed me to be a part of a lot of sad things. And it has allowed me the privilege and the dignity to walk through those sad things without having to take a drink of alcohol. That's what it's allowed me. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you're new or, or fairly new to Alcoholics Anonymous, for God's sake, please keep coming back, man. Because, yeah. you know... I'll guarantee you. If my life hadn't gotten better, I would. I wouldn't be here. Why in the hell would I be here if my life wasn't better? You know. And uh, I'm not. And it's been my experience that when I say you know that I've gotten all I can get out of Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I you know that it keeps getting better and and I keep getting more gifts. You know, God keeps putting more gifts in in my life. But if I was to only get what I've gotten from Alcoholics Anonymous up to this point in time, I'm still overpaid. I'm overpaid. I'm overpaid in Alcoholics Anonymous. But see, I know that it's going to continue to get better. And I know that it's going to continue to get a little bit easier. See, I don't do things perfectly. And I'm not well. You know. But I'm a lot better than I used to be. And it's because of Alcoholics Anonymous and, and, and people like you. You know, the way, you know where we can, you know, where we can gather and, and, <clears throat> and share, you know, share our good times, share our sad times, share our experiences. You know, and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know. Sometimes I get the message from somebody that ain't even got 30 days of recovery yet. You bet I do. You know? There's people in Alcoholics Anonymous that has you know maybe a year or two years or, or two and a half years. And they've got more of what I want than some, than, than some people I know with 25 and 30 years. So I don't know what that tells you. It's not about the quantity of sobriety. That means a, means anything to me. It's the quality, the quality of sobriety. You know, you know Anybody can put. To, I put together. You know, a couple of years at a time, being you know being sober. You know, in, in, in California State Prison, but there was no quality there. there was no quality. <clears throat> and uh, I'm just grateful to God and, and to Alcoholics Anonymous that I don't have to live the way that I used to live, and I'm extremely grateful that I don't have to live where I used to live. You know I'm grateful that I don't have to, <clears throat> be sitting in, a, sitting in a cell wondering, am I going to make it out this time alive, or am I going to die? You see, there was a point in my life where I spent so many years, of my life locked up in in jails and penitentiaries, that I accepted the fact that I was going to die in a penitentiary someday. I accepted that. I was okay with that. I was okay with it because that's where I spent most of my life. I had a right to die there. Thank God today I know that I don't have to. Thank God today that I know that the only way that I have to go back into an institution is on a hospital and institution panel. Thank God, you know. Uh, I, you know, I, I yeah, you know, I, I could go on and on and on, you know, about Alcoholics Anonymous. I, I really could, you know. I, I love it with a passion, you know. It, it's it didn't give me my life back because the life I had before Alcoholics Anonymous, I wouldn't wish it on a dog. But it's, it's, it showed me a new way of living, a new way of life. You know? It showed me how to have compassion. It showed me how to, how, to, how to love another human being. It showed me how to get out of self. It showed me that I can also be into self. I'm not perfect. Sometimes, you know what, it's still about me. But the thing is today, when it's all about me, and i'm not and i'm not adding alcohol to intensify that all about me and i'm leaving the alcohol out that uneasiness gets worse and worse and worse and the pain gets worse and worse the emotional pain gets worse and worse and worse and i know what the solution is i need to get out of self i need to call somebody you know, I need to go to a meeting. I need to go to the, the jail or, or or do something. You know, and work work with another work with another alcoholic. Tells us in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, nothing nothing ensures our our sobriety more than working with another alcoholic. What a deal! You know, what a deal! You know, and, uh, so yeah, you know, I'm just I'm, I'm real grateful to be here. And and Mike, you know, thanks again for asking me to do this. And uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll close with this. I love each and every one of you, whether I know you're not, and, and you know what? The beautiful thing about that is you don't have to love me back. You don't have to. You know. I love you, and there ain't a damn thing you can do about it. I love you regardless. So thanks.